It's Jim, it's the world of bonds. It's Friday the 3rd of November 2023. This is for professional investors only, never ever investment advice. This is a live on location recording from Kilkenny in Ireland where I'm here for Kilkenomics, the world's biggest economics festival, which is as crazy and wild as it sounds. This was started in 2010 by David McWilliams. Uh, McWilliams was famous in Ireland and elsewhere for calling out the pre-crash Irish housing market as a kind of confidence trick. Um, To quote him, it was an unholy alliance of bankers, landowners, and pliant political classes, which would result in a generation in negative equity. So it's one of those people that kind of called the GFC and the um, the Eurozone debt crisis, and uh, you know became became famous as a result of that. Uh, as I say, it turned on to be spot on. But looking around at house prices in the windows of the Kilkenny estate agents it doesn't quite seem that lessons have been learned from uh, the crash of the, the the Celtic Tigers housing market back then. Prices look really very, very high here. Uh, perhaps more from Kilconomics, uh, perhaps even a special episode when I've been at the sessions here later today with some uh, really interesting and great guest speakers. So on to markets, where we had an everything rally yesterday, emphasising, I guess, the correlation of stuff to US Treasury markets, so equities were very, very strong indeed, so saw the S&P up nearly 2% and some other indices also very robust yesterday. And in bond world, we had a continuation of that huge rally that we saw a couple of days ago in 10-year yields and longer. We saw a 20 basis point drop in 10-year yields at one point um, on the back of what normally would be a routine announcement from the Treasury Department of the United States about its quarterly refunding. So this is really it saying, announcing how many bonds it's going to sell, at which part of the curve it's going to sell them. As I say, should really be an administrative thing that announces every every quarter. This time round, though, it was uh, a surprise to the market because it's very marginally uh, fewer bonds than expected are going to be issued. And I say very, very marginally on the scale of things, but the, the market rallied massively. And I think it shows how twitchy the bond market is now about supply and about budget deficits and how these things are going to get financed. So as a result of the last couple of days, we're seeing a significant ball flattening, i.e. bond market yields are falling generally, but it's been the long end that is doing the best. So the yield curve, um, which had been steepening bearishly really over the course of the summer and into autumn, is now flattening uh, a very short term reversal to be honest the last few days but it's quite significant so if you look at 30 year US treasuries the long bond there their yield now is 4.8% and um, at the start of the week that was 5.1% so big capital gains if you've got long dated treasuries in your portfolio on that 30 basis point uh, collapse in yield there on, on you know what's really not a significant change in news we do though have October's US jobs data coming out today. Remember, non-farm payroll is obviously perhaps a little less significant than it used to be in driving markets, but certainly one of the biggest indicators out there. And today is non-farm payroll day. Um, And that means there's plenty of scope for volatility in in, in yields later. So expectations, I think Deutsche Bank forecasting 140,000 
uh, new jobs in the market compared with a much higher 336,000 in September. So a slowing jobs market, but still a positive jobs market in the United States. I should also mention that uh, credit joined the risk party yesterday too. Um, along with equities, we saw big moves in risky stuff. So iTrack's main European credit was five basis points uh, tighter and crossover that measure of um, European high yield names, about 20 basis points tighter. I think US uh, credit uh, high yield even tighter than that, maybe 30 something for the physical bonds. So uh, before we go on to the Trump trades, as promised in the, the, the title of this podcast today, a quick note on the Fed meeting earlier this week where there wasn't a change in interest rates, but where Powell in the press conference afterwards was deemed to be somewhat dovish um, following that holding of rates by the Fed. He mentioned that inflation expectations were well anchored, i.e., you know, we're not seeing either businesses or individuals or bond markets really worrying about uh, um, the Fed's target being lost and forgotten about over the medium term. So ex- those expectations aren't a million miles away from the kind of 2% target for the Fed. And he also mentioned the rise in R-Star, R-Star being something people are talking about a lot at the moment in bond markets. It's the, the real long-term uh, rate of interest, effectively, so discounting what goes on this year, next year, but thinking what, what are the what are the drivers of long-term interest rates? And that's obviously things like the supply of money, um, the supply of bonds, the demand for investment, technology, demographics, bringing all of those things together to say what's the long-term rate of interest. And he suggested that the rise in that long-dated risk premium suggested that financial conditions are now restrictive. So, in other words, that maybe um, maybe the monetary policy tightening cycle, not just through the front end in the Fed, but also longer dated, has created tight interest rate conditions, and therefore maybe the Fed could be nearer the end of its uh, cycle than the beginning, which we kind of knew. But it means means that cuts aren't on the table yet, but the market took Powell's words that the chances of one last Fed fund hike are now a bit lower than they were. Um, so pricing those about 20% chance that we're near the peak. And as we talked about in the podcast and as uh, Jim Reed's research at Deutsche Bank shows, once you reach the peak of those interest rates, then uh, that's the time to be buying your, your US Treasury bonds historically with a 100 basis point rally in those um, 10 years once you've hit the peak. And um, if we're there in December, say, then that sets a good scene going to 2024 for bonds, I hope. So on to Trump. Um, I had a breakfast with a couple of other bond market participants early this week. And we asked ourselves kind of thought experiment what we'd do if we knew that Donald Trump was definitely going to be the next US president. What would the trades be under that scenario? I remember those uh, presidential elections are about a year away uh, this month and he'd be inaugurated at the start of 2025 um, and it probably is the right question for all of us investors to be asking ourselves at the moment as Biden appears frailer, um, his opinion poll ratings have dropped even amongst solid Democrats in his party are, are kind of becoming sceptical about whether he should stand next time and if you look what the bookmakers say they have about a 60% chance of Donald Trump winning the next uh, presidential election so the betting odds are seven to four for trump biden is two to one 
We do have a new Democratic candidate coming up on the outside. Um, it's Gavin Newsom. He's the governor of California. He's about 12 to 1. So he's definitely worth watching as the new Democrat front runner if there is going to be a challenge to Biden uh, standing again in 2024. So look out for Gavin Newsom. Uh, but you can see some other names in there. Michelle Obama, who, as far as I know, has shown no interest whatsoever in standing as 20 to 1. And uh, you know, a whole range of other uh, democratic potentials out there too. So let's say that the polls are right. What would you do next? What happens next? Well, first of all, I think you could probably anticipate it will be a revenge presidency, not just personally, but also in terms of some of the policies that he didn't manage to enact in his short term. Because remember, he didn't have full control of uh, his agenda. There was splits in uh, the House and, and so forth. And so, I mean, I joke that it'd be revenge in other ways too. You know, does Biden need to get on a helicopter to Canada on day one with his family as, you know, Trump takes revenge for the indignities of the polit- the kind of court proceedings that are following his uh, life around at the moment, both criminal and um, civil cases all over the place at the moment. So uh, it's probably not hyperbolic to suggest uh, that there might be a threat to some of the democratic democratic checks and balances to the power of the president uh, as well in that kind of um, inauguration period. But what economically did Trump promise to deliver but couldn't quite deliver in his first term? And if you look at the scale of the tax cuts that Trump delivered, they're really quite modest compared to, for instance, George W. Bush's uh, tax cuts that he delivered and have been extended and still have those big negative impacts on the US debt to GDP even through today. Because when Trump comes in, if he does come in, he'll probably have a fully Democratic, sorry, a fully Republican House uh, along the Supreme Court and so forth to enable that policy stuff to get passed easily and therefore, you know, strong ability to get his policies through, including, I guess, significant tax cuts for businesses and the wealthy. So you could imagine a big risk rally um, when it looks certain that Trump is going to win if that uh, turns out to be the case, especially for US companies. Um, But to pay for those tax cuts, there is also talk that Trump would put up taxes somewhere else and that would be on imports into the United States. So I've seen some speculation about import tariffs of 10% on on everything coming into the country. That's not just very inflationary. I mean, just on the back of an envelope, if you said that imports were 20% of um, US consumption, you know, 10% tax on that is a 2% rise in the, the overall um, inflation rate uh, for, for the first year anyway, um, assuming there's no substitution, which of course there would be, but that would be back of an envelope. But it also lowers global growth, especially as the other trading blocks like Europe and elsewhere will retaliate and put similar taxes on US goods. So we'd see a decline in globalisation obviously a worry um, and it looks likely therefore it'd be a negative for the global growth trend, negative probably for emerging markets, negative for Chinese growth etc etc. So under this scenario you could expect inflation to make a a comeback both from that combination of a trussonomic style tax cut and an increase in import taxes and obviously those unfunded tax cuts would lead to US debt to GDP rising further from 100%. So US credit rating might come under uh, speculative uh, pressure 
and you might see a, a resumption of that US Treasury yield curve bear steepening. Finally, what else might it mean geopolitically? Does the US leave NATO? Um, Trump left another, uh, a number of other organisations, including climate organisations, when he was in power. Biden rejoined some, some of those, but probably bad news for attempts to get global warming down, bad news for NATO members. You'd see a breakup of the North Atlantic Treaty Organisation. Would an insular United States want to intervene in wars around the world? Would it protect... Australia in the Pacific? Would it protect Ukraine? Or, or does, would it force Ukraine to, to sue for a settlement based on you know, the current territorial position there? And does it also put the rest of Russia at risk of, you know, from Russian um, aggression in a way and uncertainty? So would you see the euro fall immediately after a Trump victory? And might you have to see European defence spending increase quite dramatically? It might be quite good news for growth, uh, given the multiplier effect there. But maybe European uh, Europe has to create an army and defence spending everywhere has to increase to 4% of GDP. Um, that might be inflationary. It might be good news for growth. Or you might see crowding out of uh, spending on other more worthy things. So... Um, I think it's something that I haven't seen enough talk about in markets yet, but as the year progresses and we get into um, election campaigns in 2024, this is going to be a really big deal. Have good weeks. Bye.